Alright, Bolker Tov, for the Gemara Moe, Kutn Chav Beis, Ahmed Aleph, the first wide lines at the bottom. Gemara made a statement in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that Halacha is like Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel regarding the laws of Avel, and Halacha is like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel with the laws of Trephus. And regarding that laws of Avel, we were talking about when you finish the, uh, you can uh, uh, be go together with the group that's doing uh, Shiva. If you got there even in the last minute, you don't have to do the whole seven days. So that was the one we know. But now we want to know what was the statement that the laws like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel by Trephos. So that's the next one. So Rabbi Shimon Gamliel by Trephos. So what did Rabbi Yochanan mean when he said the laws like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel when we're talking about the laws of Trephos? So it's just a very brief point. The intestines of an animal, if they were punctured. Now, if the intestines are punctured, that can render the animal a trefa. It means it's going to die within 12 months, and therefore we can't eat it. But something happened. But mucus seals them. So then, share the animal is okay. That is Rabshimagam Leil. Now, normally, an animal with a punctured intestine is a trefa. But Shimon Leel says, if there's mucus that seals the puncture, that's a good enough seal, and the animal is now kosher. And Rabbi Yochanan teaches, Allah follows the ruling of <coughs> Rabbi Shimon Leel. Now the Gemara just wants to so know, what's this lecha? What's this mucus? My lecha, what's the mucus? Um, Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana says that Leicha is called a Shirka de Mayayim de Nafik Arav Duvka. It's the intestines sticky liquid that comes out through pressure. So now the mucus is thick, so when it comes out of the intestine, it can now cover up the puncture and it seals it. Since it seals it, the animal will not be a trefa. So that is what uh, Rabbi uh, Yochanan says in Trefus, the Allah is like Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel. Okay, now the Gemara wants to know. Uh, so now the Gemara elaborates on this last law. So Omar Mandahu, very unusual, you don't find this very often, someone whose name is unknown said upon hearing the teachings of Rabbi Yochanan, very unusual why the Gemara would not know who this is. Say an unknown person said the following when he when he heard about Rabbi Yochanan's rulings. He said, Iski Oh that I would merit to go up to Eretz Yisrael and learn this teaching from the mouth of its master. If Alavai could go to Eretz Yisrael and hear what Rabbi Yochanan said. Now who, now which master are we talking about? Meaning, Rav Abba, the son of Chia, or Rav Zera, uh, where's all the brackets over here, who said that these teachings were in Rav Yochanan's name. Remember, there, it wasn't Rav Yochanan directly who said it. It was Rav Abba, the son of Rav Chia, or Rav Zera, depending on the version. And they said, in the name of Rav Yochanan, the halacha is like Shemagam these two halachas. So this uh, unknown person, he prayed to have the privilege of hearing the ruling directly from the people who said it. Well, he got the privilege. Ki Solik, when he went up to Eretz Yisrael, 
He did find uh, Ravaba, the son of Rabchia Baraba. And Omar lay, and he said to him, Omar Mar, the master said, Is it true that you said in the name of Rab Yochanan that the locha is like Rab Shimon Ben Gamliel regarding Trefos? Is that what you said? Amrle, <laughs> he said, I'm sorry, buddy. I said, the love is not like Rav Shimon Leo by Trefus. Okay. But it is Kirab Shimon. Uh, uh, stop. So that's one thing. So I don't understand. Like, what's more? The Gomorrah uh, said he said it. And then the other man said, I want to speak to him. It says he didn't say it. So I don't know why the Gomorrah has to tell us in the beginning that he, that he said it in that name. I, I don't know what what the Gemara is doing with that. But either way, it comes out the loch is not like Rav Shimon when it comes to Trefus. And therefore, if it has a puncture, even if afterwards some mucus comes and seals it up, it's a trefe. So now, if we already got to that point, so now the student said, okay, what about that first statement? Kirab Shimon my what's the locha? Is it like Rav Shimon by the laws of Ovel? What was taught by Rabbi Yochanan regarding that? Amrlei, he said, listen, that is Puktanihu. <laughs> they said that these laws are, it's a machlokes, this issue. Deetmar, for we learned in a brisa, Rav Chista Amr Halacha. Rav Chista said, the halacha is like Rav Shimon ben Amlil by morning. V'chein Amr Rabbi Yochanan Halacha, and so did Rabbi Yochanan say the halacha is like Rav Shimon. But Rav Nachman Amr, Rav Nachman says Halacha is not like Rav Shimon in this matter. And now the Gemara finally will make the final conclusion after all the discussion. Gemara on its own says that the Halacha is not like Rav Shimon and the Halacha is in accordance like Rav Shimon when it comes to laws of mourning. Domer Shmuel is, I think, the fourth time we've had this statement. You see how often the Gemara says this, because Shmuel says, Halacha kedivri hamekol be'eval. The halacha is like the lenient opinion when we speak about mourning. So if somebody comes late to the Shiva, even if he comes on the seventh day and there's still mourning, and he only mourns a little bit, he is included in that group, and he doesn't have to continue with the mourning, and that is the Psak Halacha. And that doesn't matter if the, uh, the, uh, the, the head of the household, Rosh Habayis. Yeah, doesn't matter if that person is there or not. Right, right. In any case, it becomes if they, Yeah, although it's not a likely case to happen, but that is the law. Okay, end of this little point. So how come when sometimes people, like, siblings are in another city, Because they should be sitting shiva. We're only speaking about a person who didn't know or whatever. Didn't come. 
If you, if you know, you're supposed to sit shiva. Well, who wouldn't come? Who, who, Why not usually come late? Because... No, it could be the person just didn't know. Oh, no one had a flight? Uh, could be you didn't know. I thought, I thought it was someone who just... No, regardless. Coming late today. No, you have to sit shiva. Wherever you are, you sit shiva. If you know about it, of course you have to sit shiva. And you're starting right away. You start right away. Right? But the, the thing is, that's the person didn't know. The person comes... In the days of the Gemara, right? In the days of Gemara, what would be the same case? There's no phones, there's no faxes. So, so what would be, what could be the case? Like, you have a son, they go on business, right? They have People went on business in the times of the Gemara. He comes back from the, no calls. Oh, daddy died. No calls. So the guy comes home, oh, daddy died. He rips his garment, starts sitting with them. That's all there is to it. It, it. it was never possible such a case in the yeah. times of the Gemara. Now it's possible. So you you start when you find out. Now it's almost impossible to have this kind of a case. Maybe right. Uh, the person really person have to be like on uh, like an Algonquin without any cell phone reception, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. So it's that, that's right. It just doesn't come out that case. Okay, now we're going to discuss more halachas of Avelus. They're all fairly short pieces, one after the other. Now, there's going to be differences when you're bit when you are mourning for a regular relative and when you're mourning for parents. So here's going to be a number of differences. I'll call a mesim kulam. Rabbis taught the Brisa, for all relatives that you're mourning for, except for parents, all right? That's what it means when it says all relatives. You see what I mean? That's what it means. So what are some of the things you do? Matcha midaso, hareze meshubach. It literally means to push away the, 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 the not the coffin, the beer, whatever. If you expedite the burial, that's a good thing. Normally, with other relatives, you want to get the burial done as soon as possible, and that means specifically less uh, eulogies. In other words, the body wants to be in the ground as soon as possible. And since it's not unusual to mourn for and eulogize them so much, it's preferable to bury them quickly. And this is more of an honor to them than to have their bodies wait for burial without eulogies taking place during the waiting period. Alternatively, it is praiseworthy to bury the deceased quickly since this demonstrates the mourner accepts with love the divine decree of his loved one's death. So when you're not talking about parents, you want to do the burial as soon as possible. Finished. And so, so you know, it would be a But it could be parents of somebody else. Well, we're talking about obviously where there are no parents. There are no children. Whatever. It's your brother, and he doesn't have any kids. Whatever. So it's, it's a regular relative, and there's no children. This is a good argument for the graveside funeral versus going to the funeral chapel and then going to the cemetery. Yeah, but but in the middle of the winter, that's not such a easy solution. Not everyone lives in South Africa, right, or in Israel. Right? Where was I just? Uh, Oh, no. Well, even in Ottawa, if you saw. So the, uh, the, the uh, whatever, it's not a chapel. They did it outside. There's an area designated outside by the 
by the cemetery with seats and everything it was outdoors but it's like was like a cement area that was the area they were sitting and then they just moved across to, to bury but I'm uh surprised they don't even have like a little chapel at the cemetery inside we could just do it all there I don't know. Look, they have a little building there at uh, Parde Shalm. Let's say they make a little kiddish. But it's small. I don't know why they don't. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of politics, and I'm sure the funeral homes would not be happy to lose that kind of business. And no, there's another thing, Shelley. Not everybody wants to travel all the way to the cemetery. That's a long trek. That's another 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. A person's working or things like that. That can make the difference of going to the funeral or not. Like, not everybody can can go to the cemetery. It takes time. I'm I'm just. But but the idea is you want to bury as soon as possible, and it's more of an honor for them. So that's something the funeral homes uh, don't uh, don't seem to understand so much. Uh, but uh, but but that's only if there's no one mourning for the parents. All right, and you have you have. Such many situations like that. Uh, my my wife's uh, aunt and uncle, who when they died when they were old, there was they had no children, so we were the only ones. We weren't even mourners. But I'm saying so. You buried them as soon as possible. Uh, that's part of it. But al avi valimo. But if you want to go fast with your father and mother, hareze maguna. This is not a good thing. It's disgusting. Why? Because you're obligated to eulogize and mourn for them. So therefore, you delay the burial and eulogize them for a little while. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean wait three days to bury them. You bury them the same day. But the eulogies could take an hour, let's say. Whatever. whatever. It does not have to be that quick. Rabbi Shlomo ben so notes that in fulfillment of this directive, it was the practice in former times of the Jewish community in Rome that when bearing one's father or mother, the bier would not be carried uninterrupted to the cemetery. Rather, pallbearers would stop many times along the way, and at each stop, some additional eulogizing and mourning would take place. So whatever was like a two-hour service, whatever. Remember those days there weren't funeral homes? So you, you had to take it from the house to the cemetery. So, so well, there is that custom seven times. I don't know if it, here it was seven times because we learned to some who say three times, whatever. But it would be delayed, and that is all to honor the parents. That's why parents are important, and it's difficult to part with them. But there are exceptions to the parent rule. For example, Hoya erev Shabbos or erev Yontif. Okay, and therefore you got to get things done quickly because people have to keep Shabbos and Yom be ready. It is praiseworthy to expedite that. Commentaries also add it could be heavy rain. Same thing. Why? What's wrong with heavy rain? There's no coffin. So, so the, they're, they're getting soaked. Right? It's not like a coffin when it rains. It just goes off of the coffin. So that's another thing. Because here, the only reason we're delaying because it's apparent you're doing it for their honor. Okay? So, and therefore, in other words, the point is, if it's before Shabbos, you might say, well, the only way we could do this, we do a fast funeral. What's the other option? We'll let the body sit till Sunday. No, that's not good. 
So in other words, it's Erev Yantav, Erev Shabbos. Either you're going to do a quick job, fast, do a tahara, just put them in the ground, very little <coughs> eulogies, quick, quick, quick. That is before their honor, because the other alternative is you wait till after Shabbos, and that's already very in, in, uh, not respectful for the body. Also, it's going to get drenched in rain. As Gogoza, therefore, consider its honor. Okay? Listen to this. It's interesting. However, some of Horsham say, it's a good sign if it rains heavily on the beer, since the deceased thereby achieves kapara. Not bad. All right. Anyway, so it seems to be machlokas in the sugyas. Okay, this is the first halacha. We see a difference between parents and other people you're mourning for. Next case. How about, now it's going to be immediate, you're going to hear this, and immediately more is going to ask a question on this. And you may think of the question yourself, if you remember what we learned a couple pages ago. Another difference is about, can you uh, do some type of business during the Shiva? So it says, I'll call a mesim kulam when you're mourning for the other close relatives. If he wants, he restricts his business activities. Okay. So you can limit them a little bit. And Ruts, if you want, hey, no, you don't have to limit your business activities. You're sitting for a close relative that's not a parent. If you want, you can work. If you want, you don't have to work. All right. But, what? What? So I told you Gamora's going to ask a question. You, you've, what is going on? You came up with the question. Good. But if you're mourning for your father and mother, you have to restrict your business activities. Okay, next halacha. We'll see Gamora's going to ask in a minute. For all other relatives, again, we don't do this. If you want to bury your shoulder, uh, you can bare your shoulder, and if he doesn't want to bare his shoulder, he doesn't. What does this mean? In the olden days, after they ripped their garments, the mormoner would slide his hand through the ripped part, exposing his shoulder as well. Another form of mourning. Okay? Uh, and the shoulder is bared. And he keeps the shoulder bared while following the coffin until the deceased is buried. That's if it's for a regular relative. For a parent, you must bear the shoulder. Okay? Um, now, Umaisa, and there was a story, there's once a certain great one of the generation. We're going to find out who that is in a minute. Shemes Aviv, his father died. A Godel Hador's father died. He wanted to bear his shoulder in mourning. And another great one of the generation was with him. Also wanted Lachlots to bear the shoulder in sympathy for the Godlador who's bearing his shoulder. But when the Godlador saw what the other Godlador was going to do, so the first Godlador refrained and did not bear his shoulders he originally wanted so as not to cause the second one to dishonor himself. Okay, so therefore, if it's going to cause dishonor, you can uh, stop that. Now the question is, who's the Godel Hador who was mourning? Who is the Godel Hador who was going to do it for the Godel Hador? Amar Abaye, so Abaye interrupts the story and says, Godel Hador Rebbe. 
Rabbi said the certain great one of the generation who lost his father and wanted to bear his shoulder was Rebbe, Rebbe Huda Nasi. He was the Godlador. Godlador Shi'imo, who was the Godlador with him? Rav Yaakov Baracha. Rav Yaakov Baracha was that. And some say it was the opposite. The Ikad army, others say Godlador was Rav Yaakov Baracha. And Godlador Shima, the one with him, was Rebbe. So Samachlokas, who was the original Godlador who was mourning? And who was the Godelador who was mourning with him? And when the other one saw he was mourning with him, he stopped. The first one stopped it. So now, Bishlema, this makes sense. If you say Lamadam or Godelador, Sheimo Rebbe, that's all good. If you want to say the other great one of the generation who was with him, the second one was Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, Hainu That makes sense why the first one didn't do it, Ravakov Bar Yaakov, because he didn't want Rebbe, who was the Godel, real Godelador. Between the two, who was the bigger Godelador? Rabbi Huda Nasi clearly was the bigger Godelador. He didn't want the bigger Godelador to dishonor himself. Elaman Dhamma, Rabbi Yaakov Baracha, but someone says the second one, Amai Nimna Velochalitz. So why would he refrain from bearing the shoulder in order to spare his colleague from doing the same thing? So the Gemara, and uh, because Rabbi Shimbagam Leel, Nasi Hava, Rabbi Shimbagam Leel, who was Rebbe's father, was the Nasi. And therefore, if it's going to be that way, everybody's chayev to do that. Okay? If Rebbe was the one who had lost his father, then the deceased was none other than the Nasi himself, who's from Shem Gamliel. And everybody would have to bear their shoulders. So when the godl, the real, real Nasi dies, Everything. So why would Rebbe have sought to spare Rabbi Yaakov or Yaakov from doing it if he had to do it anyway? Right? So that can't be. And therefore, Kasha, it's a Kasha in that opinion. And there we have to say that the one who was mourning was Yaakov or Yaakov. And therefore, he did not bear his shoulders. He wouldn't have to do it. Fine. Good. We're still with the Brysa. We're still going to come to that question. But the Brysa is listing off a whole bunch of differences. Now, you need to know we don't do the bearing of the shoulder anymore. Because there were certain times in history where the Goyim thought this was some kind of spooky stuff and we're like, uh, you know, black magic and stuff like that. And, you know, you don't need very much to cause a pogrom as you've seen. Okay. Oh, look what they're doing. They're bearing their shoulders. They're bearing, and remember, people were very um, su- superstitious. So, and this was done outside. And so stop doing it. We don't want to get in any trouble. Next difference between mourning for regular relative and parents, I'll call him Asim Kulam, Mistaper Laachar Lamedyom. It's also not the halacha, for all, well, part of it. For all relatives that you're mourning for, you can get a haircut after 30 days. That is true. That yeah. is true. However, Al Ovi, Val well, this is also true, really. For father and mother, Achiyigarubo Chaverov, until your friends reproach you for your hair growing so long. It would assume this is longer. This is this is longer than that. We'll see in the halacha what that means exactly. Okay, but that is the really this is the halacha. So theoretically, it depends when your last haircut was. No matter what, you always got to go thirty days. No question, no leniency. You got to go thirty days, no matter who it is, any relative, parent, thirty days. For the parent, it's more. Could be after 30, let's say you just got a haircut before the, the funeral. You just happened to get a haircut. So not everybody needs a haircut every 30 days. How often do you get a haircut? 
He reached the cookie days by soon. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, for me. Four to six weeks. All right, anyway, so you'd have to wait. So now, but now, the fact is, you, you, you do it pretty often, so you don't let yourself look disheveled. But what if you waited uh, uh, five weeks? Okay, it's not so terrible. It's got to get to a point where it's like not looking nice. Okay. Oh, and now with shaving also. So now with shaving, where most people shave anyway, so it might not take long, but in, in theory, it should take more than 30 days to get to that point of that. But now, so now, you know, as long as somebody tells you that, so what usually happens is at, after, right, right after 30 days, people tell the mourner, you look disgusting. But it could be he doesn't look disgusting. If he really doesn't look disgusting, but but here with shaving, it would always look disgusting if you are normally shaved, okay? <laughs> now, next point. For all other mourners, you can enter a house of celebration after 30 days. For a parent, you have to wait 12 months. So what does that mean? Some explain that when we speak of the mourner being forbidden to enter a house of celebration, the meaning is that the mourner may not even enter the house of celebration while the celebration is taking place. Others, however, explain the mourner is merely forbidden to eat there. There's no rejoicing without eating and drinking. He's permitted to be an observer. So this is where he gets some machlokasim. We'll have to look more into actual halacha. If you can go to a wedding, but not participate in the wedding. That's the machlokas over there. But they have to wait the full 12 months. Okay, and what kind of festivity? Now let's interrupt. Amarab Archana, it means... And that which the Brisa permits a mourner after 30 days refers specifically to a celebration of friendship. But he may not attend a truly joyous event, such as a wedding, even after 30 days, according to this opinion that we do not hold of. In other words, let's have a banquet of friends, 40th birthday party, 40, you know, 60th birthday party. Rishonim, other Rishonim, however, explained that the reverse is meant. It's only a friendship celebration that is forbidden, but a true mitzvah, like a wedding, may be attended after 30 days. That is the entire b'risa. So, I'm going to start asking questions on different points of the b'risa. For example, the last point. Mesave is a b'risa that says, simcha It says to attend a celebration or to attend a celebration of friendship it's got to wait 30 days. So the Brisa mentions both. So, so it means even a truly joyous event is permitted after 30 days. So what are you going to do? So kasha, it's taka kasha on that halacha. Okay, fine. Amemar maslihachi. Amemar has a different version of the qualifications. And he says, Amar a celebration of friendship, you can enter immediately. So when the Brisa forbids the mourner to enter a house of celebration, it doesn't mean to forbid him to attend a celebration of friendship. That is permitted right away. It means like other things, like weddings. I Tanya, but we just quoted the Brisa, Ula Simcha Shloshin, Lorea Shloshin, for Simcha and friendship, 30 days is prohibited. Lo Kasha, that's not a Kasha. Ha Ba'arisa, 
one is talking about the first banquet, Hubba Paranusa, one is a reciprocal banquet. In other words, sometimes you have a party and now you feel you owe your friend to invite him to a party. So the initial one you can't go to, but if the payback one, you can, because that's already, a, and you don't want to have any uh, hostilities of that. Okay, we'll stop it on that, and we'll continue tomorrow. More distinctions between relatives and parents.